What's going on, everybody? This is Sean of Ross Like Music. And this is the Super Sunny Love Show. I'm La Molly. This is Blue and Green Radio. Party people, this is Mr. V of Confessions of a Curly Mind, broadcasting through Blue and Green Radio. You're listening to Steve Williams at UK5.org. Welcome to the Blue and Green Sessions. Right, the vibe with DJ Ronnie Ron. Cosmic, Cosmic Radio. Twisted Soul. Futuristica Radio. You're listening to the Blue and Green podcast, and I hope you enjoy what we are going to say. Blueandgreenradio.com. Welcome, friends. You're tuned in to um, episode up 131 of the Blue in Green podcast. My name's Imran. Thank you very much for tuning in. Your time and your company, as always, are uh, massively appreciated. So thank you once again. Before we dive straight into our episode today... Um, we'll give the very quick obligatory uh, reminder that the Blue and Green podcast runs in conjunction with Blue in Green Radio, the online internet radio station that broadcasts from London and hosts exclusive shows uh, from across the whole wide world, uh, including Australia to Japan to uh, various parts of the US to Paris, France to various parts of the UK. Uh, we're over the moon um, with the amazing team that we have and um all of us, I think, have our shared passions of just sharing just wonderful, wonderful music that we each discover and get to um, present to you all uh, via the uh, the joys and glory of a radio and, of course, uh, through a podcast. So um, with great pleasure, um, I get to introduce our guest on the show today. We speak to the incredible the London-based uh, guitarist and uh, composer Mr. Mike D'Souza. We are over the moon uh, that we've managed to sort of secure time with him. He has the incredible um, uh, luxury of his second album release, the released in November 2023, um, and it's a stunning piece of work. We have a, a review on it on uh, the blueandgreenradio.com site. Uh, the album is called Chrysalis. Um, it's his second full-length release, and he has hooked up with the incredible um, Spanish label Fresh Sound Records, who have an amazing roster. So it's a real testament to um, Mike's just incredible abilities that he has uh, been embraced by such a revered label. Um, thrilled to, to to kind of have the time to to discuss the Chrysalis project. Um, we speak about its kind of um, its genesis that it's it came from. Um, all the time afforded to him via the uh, quarantine process you guys remember quarantine right uh yes we speak about covid we talk about having that time locked away and and uh, just the amazing ability to to do something constructive uh with that as well so we, we speak about that we speak about past projects we speak about the joy of creation we speak about um another of, of uh, mike's projects uh, big bad wolf which is just a brilliant brilliant project as well so we hope you'll check that out we hope you'll check out chrysalis via the Bandcamp page for mike d'souza there'll be a link of that on the description for uh, this episode as well so without further ado, friends, uh, we are about to meet Mike. I, we'll do one more thing first, as we always do. We're going to introduce you to our artist by way of music. So we're going to play a track now uh, from the Chrysalis album. We're going to, I'm going with the title track there. It's a gorgeous album, and 
there's no wrong answer amongst the uh, the six tracks on the album. We could have played any of them. Gently Wake is another beautiful song. Uh, Clementine Clouds is a gorgeous song. But I'm going to go with the um, the title track, and I think it's a great way to introduce you to a really sensational record. A massive thanks once again to uh, Mike D'Souza for his um, his time. He gave us a lot uh, of time, so we're very very grateful. Um, and it was just a real joy to speak to him. I very much hope we'll be able to do so again at some point. Um, and I very much hope you guys enjoyed the episode today once again you can find us at blueingreenradio.com um and uh as we say hope you enjoy the episode today
are, are, are you well today? Is everything okay? Everything's great. Yeah, I'm good. Thanks. Um, just at home at the moment. Um, you know, what am I doing? I mean, I just did some admin stuff in the morning and going to hopefully do some composing this oh, afternoon. Wonderful. So it's 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 um, hopefully it'll be a good day. Excellent. Uh, is it? Is this a non-teaching day then? Yes, it's a non-teaching day. I I do have a couple of days of teaching in the week and mm. Thursday and Friday and Saturday and Sunday I try and fit in all of the other um music things that I want to do that I can't fit in the other time are your students aware of your secret life as a uh worldwide uh <laughs> a, a best-selling sensation in jazz guitar <laughs> yeah they don't they don't know about that because that's true but um they, some of them some of them know i i you know release my own music and some of them mm. checked it out which is very nice and oh that's cool um and you know i because I, I also i don't just teach um i teach at a secondary school and i also teach um one day a week at leeds conservatoire wow amazing which um which is where i studied originally um mm. so you know i love teaching there and I guess it's more relevant for the students there knowing that I also am making music myself and, you know, working as a musician and things like that. I imagine uh, not so much with the students at Leeds, but did you, you said secondary school children, is that right? Yeah. Is that, um, uh, do you tend, are those kids who are eager to play and learn or are they are they there under duress or like students? This school that I'm teaching at is, is, um, it's quite an, uh, a good one. They have a good music department Amazing. and I do get a lot of students who are um, quite keen. I wouldn't say that they all do a lot of practice, but there's enthusiasm there. Mm. And I think when you get in that enthusiasm and just um, some excitement about music, it makes the whole process of teaching um, a lot more enjoyable. I've had yeah. situations when I'm teaching kids and you know, you try and it, it. You don't feel like you're getting to the music. You just feel like you're trying to be a bit of a motivational speaker, mm. and that can be a bit, um, a bit harder. So I have, I have a nice, I have a nice teaching job um, um, at the secondary school. So I, I do, I do enjoy it. It's not like a drag or anything like that. Mm. Do you have to come up with ways to try and engage kids at that age? Yeah, I mean, I don't really have any methods it's more just about trying to connect with the person and just get a sense of what what would motivate them but also it just has to you know the reason that I well part of the reason why I became hard working at music is because I just got this sheer sort of joy and excitement from being inside music and playing music and it just I don't know where I, I don't know where that comes from. Part of it comes from maybe being part of a scene. Like for example, I was quite lucky at the school that I went to. It wasn't an especially um, the school in itself wasn't especially music uh, focused. But I just happened to be there at a time when there are a lot of other people who were just into music. A lot of um, other kids in my year and the year above me. Um, were playing electric guitar or other instruments and so I was able to see these people playing um, mm. and that was inspiring and when you're around other kids that are doing this thing that feels like a cool thing that that kind of was um, motivating in my in my situation anyway mm. so I think that's why this school that I do teach at 
has um, more enthusiasm for music because there's just a, a stronger department. I think that's the thing that um, is um, that can be a reason. I mean, there's lots of reasons why music um, doesn't. Um, why music is not as strong in certain schools or in certain communities or parts of the country. I mean, part of it is lack of role models. Part of it is lack of financial access to educational opportunities. And another thing is just being around other musicians, uh, other like-minded um, children who, who have um, an enthusiasm for it. So if you don't get exposed to any of those things, then you're, you don't get the opportunity to, get that inspiration mm. i think yeah I, that's an interesting point i never would have uh, kind of considered that i guess it does matter if you have people to share in things that you're passionate about with yeah um, and i guess that that is that's a, a well i imagine as you say it would be a strong contributing factor to making someone stick at something if you can share it with them i think so yeah i think especially in the jazz world you know so much about the um what we get as musicians playing this music what we get out of it is that thing of being able to come together with other musicians and sort of have a good time making music and just sort of you know doing our best in the moment with our friends or with people we've just met and just trying to make something happen it's like mm. um and it's this, it's kind of the same sort of mentality as when i was younger and playing rock music you know i got a band together with my friends and would you know come up with music for that and so that you know being able to get together with other people and and make music is um it's yeah it's a real motivating um factor i think Mm. and yeah jazz is just a natural continuation of that in my case i think yeah amazing what led you to the guitar if i may ask oh the guitar well I'm not from an especially musical family or anything like that, but my parents did have um, some old acoustic guitars from when they were younger. I think my mum had had a few lessons when she was um, younger and my dad had just bought a guitar when I think he was in his late teens and had a go at playing it, but neither of them really went anywhere with it. And so we had these old um, classical guitars in the back of a cupboard at home and my brother who's a few years older than me and myself i think we discovered them um at some point and we you know we just thought it was quite cool that there were some guitars in the house and um soon after that i went to secondary school and um there was the option of having some music lessons so i had some classical guitar lessons um which to be honest i was not really inspired by it didn't really didn't really connect with it I was starting to get into rock music and um, after a year of those classical guitar lessons um, we ended up getting an electric guitar teacher who um, was not associated with the school um, a guy called neil jones who um who i found very inspiring um because he was playing you know rock music that i was much more excited by and mm. i think that kind of got me into it and that happened for like a year and then he went off on tour with a band and um, so we stopped having lessons but as i said i I was at school surrounded by some other you know students who were really keen on music and so yeah it just became natural to be part of an environment where 
um, you know, because I wasn't having lessons, but it didn't feel like I was lacking inspiration or lacking mm. guidance because I could always look at what someone else was doing and go, oh, that's cool. I'm going to learn how to do that. And then I'd go home and practice that. And then I'd see someone else do something else. Someone else do another thing that I thought was um, cool. And then I'd try and learn how to do that. So that was that was kind of my um, experience at school, learning how to play. What was, do you remember the name of the rock band you started? <laughs> well, I think the first one, we were, and my friend Sam, we were in a science lesson. I think we were in year nine or year 10. And we were just, yeah, we were coming up with a name for this band that we wanted to um, start together. Because I used to go over to his house and we just like write music. And when we, um, uh, yeah, when we were, were starting to write music, we would um, we had this um, guitar guitar notation software called Guitar Pro, oh, wow. where you, you could like you know you could come up with some riffs and you could write out some melody, but on on Guitar Tab, and um, so I would like be writing, I'd write like a bit of a song and then I'd email it to him, and then he write his thing and he'd email it back and we'd write music that way, which is quite quite fun. And uh, anyway, we were in a science lesson and we were just looking at the periodic table and we just put our finger down at a random point. And <laughs> it was it was, um, it was an element called molybdenum. At least we think oh. that's how it's pronounced. And so we called our band molybdenum. <laughs> I love it. Oh, I've never heard of that. Um, that's amazing. Yeah. That's such a great name. I don't, mean, I don't even know what the metal It's a metal, but I don't even know what it's used for, but it had a full <laughs> name. And I remember we, we did like some gig... Um, like not a proper gig, like one of these gigs for kids locally, like kids who have made bands. Mm. And um, the guy who was um, announcing just didn't know how to say it. So he just shouted, la, la, la. <laughs> <laughs> Also a good name. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that was, um, you know, that, that, that's, that's kind of where I came from musically. And I had, mm. had a great time doing that whole thing. And what, what ultimately pulled you to jazz then uh, from from sort of the, the being a, a rock fan as you were? Aside from the sort of writing songs and, um, you know, performing as part of a band, I, I was really sort of driven by the idea of being just a good musician. I wanted to be good at the guitar. I mean, I, all of my heroes on the guitar... Um, People like Slash from Guns N' Roses, um, a guy called Nuno Betancourt from a band called Extreme. A lot of these people, they didn't um, have any formal music education. Right. And for a while, I kind of had this, um, I don't know, I guess a confused view as to the value of music education. I kind of, because all of my heroes at the time hadn't had any formal education in music i thought that the path was to not to right. sort of reject formal education and just like do it all yourself because that's what yeah. they did mm. and you know you'd hear all these stories which is very similar to the jazz world of them spending many hours a day practicing but very much doing things their own way and so that kind of attitude i internalized a little bit um but then I uh when was I was I was doing my A levels I was doing A level music and um I got a letter from my school suggesting a a jazz summer school in um that was taking place in London 
and I'd already like kind of got some I, some sense of what jazz was because we had a school jazz band and I was playing in that and I was starting to get interested in theory and you know understanding that some scales apply to some chords and if you know a scale then you can have a set of notes that you know will sound good over a certain chord so I don't know if that is that makes sense to you. I don't know. Do you uh, do you play? Oh, I don't. I'm afraid, but it sounded amazing. But uh, I yes, it made well, not a huge amount of, of of sense to me. But no, I it's still uh, yeah. Mm. Okay, well you know, I mean, it's, it's not it's not it's not it's it's quite a basic thing. It's like you know, in in music, you know, we often have chord progressions. We have like a sequence of chords of course, yeah. And, and uh, in jazz part of the um part of the process for deciding what notes are going to work could be um finding a scale a set of notes that works over each of those chords and then trying to build melodies using those sets of notes and changing those sets of notes when you change chord and um this whole process of uh, making improvising or being able to improvise using scales is something that i was starting to become a bit more familiar with right and um, so the idea of jazz or learning about jazz was a, a bit more on my radar at this point. I think I was about 17. And anyway, so I went to this summer school. It was a jazz-wise run summer school um, when I was 17 in, in the summer before I turned 18. And I was, yes, just suddenly exposed to all of these jazz musicians and these jazz teachers um, this guy, Corey Christiansen from the US was there and I was, you know, mm. really blown away by just the sheer musicianship that uh, you I had never witnessed before coming from the background that I had. And it's kind of realizing how much sort of technical facility these people had, how much musicality and sort of soul that they had when they played, how melodic it was, but the, how complex and, you know, beautiful the harmony was. And yeah, it kind of won me over quite quickly during that week. I was just amazing. On on one level, it's like realizing how little I knew about this whole area of music, and just feeling very curious to get better at it. And um, and you know, at that time, I'd also say that a lot of the jazz that I had heard, I wasn't so drawn to the sound of it. it was it just was a bit complicated, I think, and just. It didn't really I didn't really have any framework to relate to those sounds at that mm. point. And so I had to do a lot of listening from that point onwards to sort sort of get familiar with the the language of the music. Um, I wouldn't say that a, a lot of this the sounds of the jazz tradition really resonated with me straight away. I think that's something that took a bit more time. Um but yeah, I hope yeah. That, yeah, that's kind of my answer to that question, I think. Yeah. Just, I think jazz yeah, is a, a hugely so. intimidating music to sort of try to jump into so I, I i totally understand your i suppose uh your uh reservations is the right word but um yeah i i it took me well i'm as a as a fan myself it took me till well into my i guess my my, my mid-20s before i could really start to find my my own kind of entry point hmm. uh, and, and i think that's probably the thing with jazz you need the right entry point if you um, yeah just pick up a copy of Miles Davis uh, kind of blue. It's probably not going to click with you straight yeah. away. So it's, you've got to find your path to that album, for example. Mm. What was the entry point for you? What did you oh, uh, for me, it was uh, hip hop and samples. Yeah. 
um, because that was what I was listening to in the 90s. And I used to just be enamored by production and then being minorly heartbroken when I realized it was <laughs> it was all samples and not created right. uh, for that. So then you kind of look up. Um, so it was like like Gangstar and Tribe Called Quest. And then you look up Blue Note Records because uh, that's where so much of it was coming from. And then you yeah. kind of um, that was a, a one way in. And then it was sort of a lot of contemporary bands like uh, Roy Hargrove and uh, mm. Soul Live. Um, and things that they were doing, which was very, very contemporary and had lots of kind of crossover with neo soul and uh, and hip hop acts. So that became my entry point. Um, and then I just sort of went everywhere from there, really. Yeah, that's really cool. And mm. so you were just coming at it from, you know, you were hearing these like hip hop tracks. And yeah. there were these samples that were taken from jazz and that, that yeah. sound like kind of, you know, it was, you were attracted to that sound and yes. you wanted to go deeper into it from that perspective. Yeah. Even from a teen, I was an inlay card guy. So I would always rummage through the inlay cards and you're seeing the same mm. names being sampled and, uh, on yeah. uh, production and, and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, that was kind of the, the point where, uh, yeah, and I, I know a few other people that kind of got into it from that same way, which is why I, I suppose I have a, a bigger affection for hip hop because it, it was not just a wonderful period of time for that music, but also a tremendous gateway for me uh, yeah. into sort of being a, a springboard for so much more so um so yeah that's that yeah that was kind of my entry into it that's really cool um it's um we've had such a detour and this was i, I hadn't planned to, sorry. Uh, to go no no i'm sorry <laughs> I, 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 I've, frantically, yes, yeah. I loved it yeah it's 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 wonderful um and it, it's awesome to kind of uh unpack your kind of early um i guess connection to to, to the music and i think your your connection to their music is is really kind of what you've attempted to express through all of your releases uh which is really a, a wonderful thing to kind of explore um i think with uh chrysalis uh firstly congratulations on chrysalis i think we're talking about four months uh since it has been kind of uh released into the world um it's a stunning piece of music it's your second full length um album uh I guess you know with it being about four months. How do you how do you feel about it now that it's kind of out there? Do you yeah. do, do you? I guess I've got a series of questions. Really, the first is, do you? Um, how do you feel about putting new music out? Do you get nervous when you when you realize it's ready and you're about to put it out? Are you kind of? Do you have any reservations? Do you get nervous? Do you get excited for people to hear it? What are those kind of feelings you have before you put something else something out into the world? Yeah. Well, firstly, thank you so much for your kind words about it. And thank you for the, the writing that you did on it. Oh, well. absolutely I, I really, not, no. It's really nice to read that you, um, that it connected with you and, you know, really, you know, you wrote it in a really lovely way. So thank you so oh, much for that. Um, it was, yeah, this, this one, it, it's been a long process because we recorded the album quite a long time ago and, and just for various reasons, it's a, it took quite a long time for it to be ready to be released. Um, so yeah, I guess the time when it, when it came time to be releasing it, I guess there are some of those emotions of, um, fear because, you know, when you, when you, when you write your own music and you produce your own music, you're, um, I guess you're putting a quite a deep part of yourself out there Mm. and, um, and yeah, I guess you are on some level affected by the response but the response, I've been really lucky. I mean, people have mostly been very supportive and encouraging. So I, I feel very grateful for that. 
I suppose the thing with when you create art, it mostly goes hand in hand with wanting people to experience it and yeah. read it or see it or listen to it mm-hmm. or view it. Um, and I, I, you know, it's, it's sort of that thing when you create, you kind of want it to be, I guess, appreciated. And it can be quite a daunting thing to, as you say, you're putting a piece of yourself out there. Um, and it's, it's must be, you know, a terrifying, but exciting process at the same time. I would have thought. Yeah. I think in reality, I don't get nervous about it. But the reason for not getting nervous about it is not because I don't have the potential to get nervous or anxious about it. But it's mostly because there's a huge amount of work involved in just getting it out there. You've got to do loads of a lot of time is just spent doing um, getting it ready for the release, promoting it and all of this stuff that you don't really have time to sort of get too much into your own head about those things I think Mm. I think if I wasn't if I was just sitting back and waiting for all of the response then maybe like the space would be open for feelings of nervousness and overthinking to sort of seep in but I think when you're just busy and you just you know you're just focused on trying to do the things that you have to do um those feelings don't really seep in so much right also I think I think maybe this comes with a bit of a bit with age um you just become a bit more comfortable with the fact that not everyone's going to be into it and that's fine because i feel like i've been honest with what i'm trying to make um and i feel good about what i'm putting out i obviously i don't i don't think everything is absolutely perfect but that's not what it's about i feel like it was a um I feel like my intentions in making the music have been sincere and that, you know, we captured something special in the studio, I think. And I think this is a document of that. Mm. And um, I'm quite happy with that. And so I, yeah, even though I want other people to, um, I want it to connect with other people. I want to have um, my music be a part of other people's lives. Um, I try not to dwell too much on that because I think it's just, it's not really helpful to dwell on that too much because it's out of my control. I think it's better Mm -hmm. to try and focus on things that are within my control. So um, yeah, I think that's the best answer I can give. It's just, it's it's not that I couldn't get anxious or or nervous. I think it's just um, experiences told me that it's not really useful to go into that mental space it's more useful to just focus on what's in my control right now and just Mm. look ahead i think Mm. you um it's a it is a notable album in the perspective of it comes from a a kind of a shared experience for really everyone um the the kind of the, the the early kind of seeds for the project came through um the uh the quarantine period that we all experienced uh yeah. not too long ago um but it's um i mean how how was that period i mean obviously uh it, much of it was incredibly productive for you but just in general how did you kind of approach that quarantine period was it difficult for you to start focusing your mind uh into music or did you have kind of those moments of difficulty in trying to stay creative and things like that um, it's a difficult one. I mean, I would like to obviously acknowledge, you know, because it's, it was clearly such a difficult time for so many people with yeah, so much yeah, loss in place. Um, 
so I just want to caveat what I'm about to say with that and not of course, yeah. have it be um, in any way disrespectful to anyone who lost people or um, just had a, a terrible time. But I feel like I'm just one of the lucky ones who experienced silver linings from that period. Um, in certain ways, I mean, in certain ways, my, um, I, you know, all my gigs were cancelled. And so I lost certain kind of momentum from that. I missed, I missed the experience of playing live and playing with other musicians and creating in the moment with other people. But um, it was also, I was, because I was in quite a nice situation, I was just, you know, at home um, with my partner and I was able to, I had more time to just practice and um, write music. And I'm quite, I'm quite, I have an introverted side to my personality. And so I just kind of, I, I sort of leaned into that a little bit and enjoyed just that time of just being able to get into new musical ideas and um, just spend a long time with them, going, having them go around my head, just listening to them again and just imagining where do I want this to go. And um, yeah, I really, I really enjoyed that aspect of it, but obviously mm -hmm. it was, I was also empathizing with the, the world as a whole. Of course. Yeah. And, um, the, in, in the greater situation, but I was finding, um, you know, a kind of solace in my um, process, both in terms of like developing as a player and um, in my sound as a player and in my um, creating my compositions. I mean, those, those things were, um, if I didn't have that, maybe I would have felt um, a bit more lost, but because I'm lucky enough to have those things as um, a part of my life, I was able to really, um, get a lot out of that that experience that time mm. to just focus on on that thing and um yeah i think it came it came quite naturally for me but you know after after a while yes you do just kind of go a little bit crazy <laughs> you do go a little bit crazy just being stuck in one place and i, I did yeah. i think um when i first had had the first play with like jay and hugh the guys who the bass player and drummer who i mm -hmm. play with in this group it did feel good to just be out of the house and we were just like in Hughes garden and we just um, played a few standards and uh, that did feel good. It felt good mm. to be out after a long time locked in and socializing. Yeah. Yeah. I love that you caveated your, your kind of answer with obviously being uh, respectful to obviously people, as you say, who suffered from work and uh, mental health and et cetera, et cetera. It was an incredibly difficult time for obviously a lot of people, but, um yeah it's it's wonderful that you had that kind of that i guess that positive experience out of it i've had a couple of conversations with um artists and musicians who during that time just just couldn't do it just you know in terms of i guess just the inability to collaborate or kind of experience life in a way that would inspire yeah. uh you know uh, music or uh, their own kind of art and it just they just couldn't they just mm -hmm. found themselves i think in something of a bit of a rut so i always get you know it's always lovely to speak to someone who kind of was able to kind of maximize that time and and uh yeah use it to their advantage so yeah, yeah. i guess that, that's a wonderful it's an interesting thing. one because it, i think it kind of speaks to where inspiration comes from i think for a lot of people 
and I don't think there's a right or a wrong to this or anything like that. I think it just it just shows the spectrum of personalities out there yeah. within within the creative music scene. Some people really get inspiration from being around others, um, and I do as well. But I also think I get a lot of inspiration from the more introspective side. Um, right. And, but I think, yeah, I mean, I think different people, it's, it's just, uh, I don't know what I'm saying really. It's just, no, no, no. There's, there's a huge spectrum of different kinds of um, personalities within the, the scene of creative musicians. Yes. Which I think is important for, for young people to know as well, because I think sometimes people think that, musicians should have a certain kind of personality it's not really true there's i think mm. there's a whole spectrum out there of, of personalities um amongst my music making colleagues and friends i think it's important to bear that in mind that we're a whole you know there's a lot of different personalities out there basically i'm, yeah. I'm waffling sorry <laughs> no no you, it's a perfect i know it's a it's a fascinating kind of concept you're saying because I, you're, you're absolutely right. I, th I think you know the the perception is that if you're someone who is comfortable standing on a stage uh, and and performing, that that indicates a certain personality trait. You know, so I mean, it's it's sort of it's an interesting idea that do did you go the other way in terms of to be in a space where you uh, can create music by yourself in terms of from, from a writing and composing part of it? Is there a part of you that even though you might love to perform with people, the idea of being on stage with X amount of people standing all eyes on you, does that hit you in a different way? Or is that still part of that process of, I love to create music, this is creating music, so I don't have any kind of nerves about standing in front of you? Or is it like that transition from creation to performance and that starts to throw you a little bit? Mm. That's a good question. Um I think the thing of performing and having, you know, eyes on you and people listening to what you're doing, that does change how you create a little bit. It's not like, I mean, it does. And I think, I think it changes how you create a little bit for the better because you're, you're kind of hearing, you're hearing what you're doing as part of a collective. You're hearing how this is, you're kind of imagining how you're, you're having empathy for the room you know you're mm, kind of feeling yeah. you're kind of feeling for everyone when you're just playing by yourself when i'm practicing by myself in my room and i'm not imagining even i'm not even imagining that i'm playing for anyone else it does change my process a little bit and i think it it's better when i'm really sort of when I'm, I think it's better when I'm playing for other people. I think it brings something else out of me. Right. And um, so I don't really Can it ever be intimidating? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah, the inner game, the inner game is the, the inner game of playing music is the, the main battle you face more so than technique or musical skill. It's just, can you, can you feel comfortable in that moment when you're on the stage and you have to deliver. Mm. I think that is, um, that's the biggest challenge because it's so easy to get, you know, just into some sort of negative mental space. Mm. Um, just feeling bad about yourself. I mean, 
I, I think I've become better at not going into those negative spaces. I've got, gotten older, right. but you know, I think when I was younger, I would often have moments where I'd kind of dark out. Like if I played something that I wasn't very happy with, I'd kind of, you know, you kind of get into these ne negative mental spirals sometimes, and they can be very hard to get out of. And they feel mm. even worse when you're in front of loads of people. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, with time, I've just been able to sort of let go of that a little bit and just sort of accept myself a little bit more Yeah. with my, you know, vulnerabilities and all this stuff. Um, but I think, yeah, going back to your question, um, was your question, I guess it was more like, is there, do you go into a different space when you're performing in front of other yes. people than, than yeah. when you're, I guess, I guess, yes, that, that is true. But I think the, the more introspective space that I can access when I'm by myself is better for composition because in composition you can, it's basically a series of repeated improvisations. I, I like to think of it as like when I'm composing, the music is happening in real time in my head or in, in my in my hands if I'm playing, but I can just go back and relive that and make it small adjustments over and over again until I've kind of found that sweet spot where I'm like, this feels right. And when you're performing and when you're improvising in a performance, you, you just got, you've got that moment and then it's the next moment and you can't go back. You've just got to, um, you know, you just got to commit to the moment, I guess mm. you've got to hundred percent commit to the moment. And that's good. That's good for me. I think as a musician, as a person to experience that thing of practicing, committing to the moment and, um, whatever happens, just looking ahead and looking forward and just thinking accepting everything that has just happened and just moving forward right and moving forward with it with a positive energy um i think this is like referring to that thing of getting into like a negative mental space it's it's really important to not allow yourself to go there always kind of have like a um a feeling of positivity in yourself of what has happened and what is going to happen Mm. um not like sort of um what's the, like not sort of um making a i don't know lost for what's the what's the word not making sort of un, unrealistic optimism it's right. it's not about saying oh that everything is so great but just like being in it and just accepting what it is and just trying to make everything trying to trying to create trying to create in a, in, in a with a positive energy i think right that, that's all that's all i can say really that's um it's a real fascinating um kind of point you've touched on which i i kind of love asking people about like particularly in your situation where you talked about like that negative space and sort of having to, having it a battle sometimes to to or, or in earlier years to sort of to get out of it do you what kind of and this is something that genuinely fascinates me uh with uh, with people in terms of being in a situation or a set of circumstances that you feel like uh overwhelmed by or scared by or you know intimidated by but what do you feel in yourself compels you to keep going because i i i find that a genuinely fascinating thing because um 
you know, it, it, the, you know, across a variety of different kind of artistic or musical endeavors, you can be in a situation where you just think, "I feel, I feel ill. I, I'm petrified. I'm nervous." But there's that that quality that 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 thing in in a person that just doesn't allow them to quit, and it just means that they they persevere in in situations that they are still petrified by. Uh, how do do you do you ever look at that in yourself? And like, what is it that compels you to keep making music or to keep making under these kind of uh, in in, the, in these environments and things like that? If that's not a too garbled a question, but mm. no, not at all. It's a good question. You, you it's like a. I don't know. I feel like I'm attending some sort of therapy session or something. <laughs> Is that good or bad? <laughs> it's good. It's good. Uh, it's good. I, I enjoy these questions. They're deep. Uh, oh, great. Um, so I think if we're talking about like in, in the, in the, in a specific moment, like for example, if I'm on stage and I get into that negative space, I can't just leave the stage. I've got to, I've, I'm committed already and I've just got to, um, yeah, I've never been in a situation where I just had to leave. But I I I have been in situations where I've been on stage and like the rest of the gig I'm in this sort of negative space um which is not good because you're um yeah, I mean, I'm talking about situations where you get into that negative space and you just can't get out of it. You get into this mm. sort of negative cycle. And um that's not fun for you and you end up like kind of probably sending out negative energy to your, your bandmates. Right. And, um, I think that's, it's been good to, to be to become better at not getting into that space. Um, in terms of the bit, cause I, it sounds like your question was more referring to the, 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 the bigger picture of just the career. Of, yes, sure. Yeah. Um, in general, just kind of, putting up with the struggle a bit yes um i don't really know what the right answer for that would be but right now the the up until now at least um i've been lucky to say that the positives outweigh the negatives i you know i think if you kind of practice or if you think about what you're um or if i think about how lucky i am to be able to do this and how how many sort of incredible moments of making music um, that I've been fortunate to have, if I think about that and I kind of weigh that against the negatives, um, I, my assessment is that I'm, I'm definitely in favor of um, carrying on because I, it's just, uh, it's added so much value to my life to be able to have, some of these incredible musical moments that I've been able to experience and um, with other people and um, mostly with other people, but occasionally just by myself, but mostly with other people as part of a group or even with like in communication with an audience or sharing the experience with the audience. Um, it's something that is very meaningful for me. Mm. And so those moments when you kind of dark out a little bit, and you kind of feel those those that negative you get into those negative spaces um for me i've been i think i can i'm lucky to be able to say that um it just hasn't deterred me because it hasn't been enough to tr pull me away from that other thing that is really good and i'm just feel really fortunate to be able to experience on a fairly regular basis amazing yeah but i think the, the main key is to just 
not get into those negative spaces and just acknowledge that there's not really a reason to properly get into those when when it gets to when you start feeling that just sort of my advice to my younger self would would be and you know what I, i'm saying my advice to my younger self but i know for a fact i wouldn't have listened to this advice <laughs> told me. but i'm just saying it just just learn how to sort of accept yourself um and not get too not place too much importance on you know something bad that you played or someone not liking what you did mm. um and just be more in touch with why you love music and what you love about music and just think that is your truth and just stick with that mm. just if that's what you believe if you believe that this thing is good i guess there's two different things i'm talking about here the one thing is um one thing is failing to meet your own idea of what is good so something right. could be like me not playing good by my own standards so that's one right. thing and then the second thing is someone else not liking me for what i thought was good and i think on that on that point the what i would always encourage my younger self or anyone to do is just well set to, it's just to say it doesn't matter what someone else thinks is good. Your you your role as an artist is just to be true to what you feel is good and what is true to yourself. Um, on the on the former point of like not meeting your own expectations of yourself, I guess it's just don't worry about it too much. Just keep trying and uh, think. Try and think a bit more instead of like judging yourself. Try and think a bit more objectively about. If you like, if you keep running into this thing of, of falling short of your own expectations, trying to um, be a bit more strategic about how you prevent that from happening in the future. Because sometimes I think people just get down on themselves and think, oh, I'm so rubbish. Or, I can't do this. I can't do that. But they don't actually do anything to strategically address the, the underlying problems. Right. Um, and I think part of that is just placing too much of your ego in, in the, in the problem. You say like you identify as this thing, this person that is a failure of some sort when that's not what it's about. It's about observing. There's probably something that is making you not reach that target and just focus on what the thing is, not, not yourself. I think there's often you, you people identify with what their, um, what their shortcomings are instead of trying to understand why they may be falling short in a certain area right just thinking of not thinking enough about the why and just dwelling on how much of a failure they feel like amazing yeah you know what i mean interesting yeah it's almost you have to go through the uh the uh those sort of negative emotions before you can reach the realization of you know this is this is this wasn't the right way of doing things but as you say if you could go back in time and say hey do it like this it just yeah you need to yeah. that person needs to reach that conclusion themselves don't they yeah i i wonder what, what to what extent it is necessary for people to have to go through those emotions or whether it's just if you're in a bit of a depressive state or if you have a negative mindset in general you're just more predisposed to go into those negative um, right. mental states i think if you have a bit more of a positive outlook and you just have more of a constructive outlook maybe you're going to be more predisposed to think constructively and think about not identify with the negative aspects of what you have done but think about um focus on 
what you can positively do with your future actions. You know, I think that's mm. a lot of it is to do with outlook and it, that's probably influenced by all sorts of things that are going on in your life. Like if you just feel like, I think this is a thing that often, I mean, I definitely was a thing with me when I was younger is I placed all of my value in my ability to play music. And it's quite a dangerous thing to do because if you place all of your self-worth in your musical abilities or anything like that, then you're doomed to, when you fall short of that, it, you're, the, the lows are very low because right. it's like you put all of your self-worth in this thing. And I think that's a very um, dangerous thing to do. And I think yeah. it's, um, it's probably a thing that a lot of young musicians do. And um, I don't really have a remedy for it because the only way to not do that is to have other things in your life that are meaningful and that you put your value into. Um, but I guess that is the that is the solution, really. That is the solution to have mm. other things that you um, have in your life that you put you put your own value into. Right, amazing. You are uh, very deep questions. So. <laughs> and I'm no, I'm I'm um. I'm I'm thrilled that you're you're being so generous with kind of your responses. Um, I mean, it's you know I I love this type of of conversation. I I love kind of get uh, <laughs> peering into the mind of someone that is as imaginative and creative with their music. And I I I, I for me it's this is a you know, this is riveting. I yeah I'm, I'm thoroughly enjoying it, and I'm I'm grateful for for you know your you know your your sharing your you're uh, you're being very honest and sincere with your answers and it means a lot to me so uh thank you i'm, yeah. I'm enjoying the questions <laughs> oh brilliant um excellent well my next question who was your favorite spice girl no i'm kidding <laughs> um you uh chrysalis uh has the distinction of uh being released on fresh sound records yeah um which is a it's a, it's a wonderful distinction um mm. may I ask how how that uh collaboration came to be well um as you may have noticed in the last few years, um, there have been more sort of UK based artists um, signing up with uh, Fresh Sound New Talent. Yes. Yeah. A lot of friends of mine, like um, Alex Hitchcock, uh, yeah. Ronan Perrett, um, Johnny Wickham, Tom Ollendorf, you know, people that I know quite well from my generation. Um, so just seeing that they were on it gave me the idea okay, maybe I could approach these guys with my record. And so, yeah, I asked Ronan, Ronan Perrett, and he gave me the email of Geordie and I just got in touch and um, Geordie was, he enjoyed the music and he was quite keen to sign me. So, um, so yeah, we decided to go ahead with it. I thought it would be Amazing. a real privilege to be a part of um, the label. I mean, they've got, um, you know, a, an incredible catalogue of yeah. um, so many of my heroes who have released things on there. And um, yeah, I just thought it would be a, a real honor to be um, part of that. And um, yeah, so I'm I'm, ha I'm really happy to be on it. Amazing. Um, yes, it's a wonderful sort of addition to their, as you said, their amazing roster. Um, how did you find the differences between uh, as a, as an independent artist for the release of Slow Burn, um, and you have to kind of wear that marketing hat so to speak you know in a bid to get your music heard and then you have um the support for the second release how do you sort of uh distinguish between those kind of those two experiences um i think in both situations you do have to still be very um mm. self-reliant on promoting i mean i, I think I, I put 
I'd say equal amounts of effort into promoting both of them. I think the differences are that you're, you know, you get a bit of extra help being on the on the label in that they are doing their own thing. They're like promoting it on their social media. They've got it on their website. They put it in, they put the CD up for sale in places that I wouldn't be able to. Mm-hmm. Like in Japan, for example, I saw it was Amazing. for sale there, which is pretty cool. Yeah. Don't know if anyone's bought it, but it's up for sale. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, um, in terms of, I guess the, the only thing in this situation is that you're now working with someone else. Um, whereas before I, I was kind of in control of everything. So I was completely in control of when everything was going to be released. Um, there's just more communication involved um, when you're working as part of a, working alongside a label to uh, make this thing happen. So um i'd say that's the main difference it's just the the thing of um working with someone else working with someone else's timelines and um yeah just kind of the teamwork involved in making that thing happen would you like to be in a situation where you could just create an album hand it over and then just say let me know when it's out uh as such or do you like the 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 opportunity to be hands-on and and sort of um uh build connections and and muck in 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 that respect as well in all honesty i would love what you just said (laughs) i love that thing but i don't i think that's just kind of wishful thinking in the in the the way that the current environment is um you know because the thing i love the most is just making the music and obviously i love you know connecting with actually i'm really glad that you know we made this connection and having this chat with you um but I think the thing that motivates me the most is just to be able to make the music and to just have, be able to share these musical ideas that I have. So it would definitely be easier if I could just focus on that hundred percent of the time and just hand it over to someone else who's going to take care of literally everything else. Yeah. But I think it's just not really realistic um, in today's climate and with where I'm at at the moment to expect that. So I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just willing to put in that extra bit of effort, I think, um, to, you know, to try and get the music out there a little bit more, try and let more people know about what I'm doing um, and all that stuff. I do enjoy it as well. I mean, I think I enjoy some of it and some of it I really, I'm, for example, this conversation, great. If I could just do these conversations where we just have a nice chat, uh, that's great. But then there's also a lot of sort of fiddling with social media, trying to get that that app to do the thing you want and all this stuff which i'm not so excited about yeah and um, lots of writing lots of writing things and you know writing is not probably my strength i'm very slow at it i think i can write nice coherent things but it just takes me ages right and um yeah so you know it just I think the the demands of being a modern musician slash artist is that you have to be able to do a lot of things that are not music that's the thing I've kind of learned over the last few years. But in short, I mean, you know, just to, to not ramble on any further. Uh, yeah, I would love the thing that you suggested. Where can I sign up? <laughs> um, gosh, yeah, it's well, I don't know if that exists anymore other than sort of Beyonce or Taylor Swift levels of kind of success, doesn't it? I mean, you're right. I mean, I, I imagine, you know, you, like Blue Note Records would almost expect that level of um, involvement from their artists or you know any 
any label that I could think of, certainly people, anyone I've spoken to would certainly sort of say, okay, but you know, you, this is, uh, it, it, it's not what it, what the label, the situation is, isn't what it was like 30 years ago, you know, uh, it's, it does require everyone to sort of pitch in. So I, yeah, I, I don't know if it really exists anymore. So yeah. yeah I, it's just the, it's just, I mean, it, it, there's, there's positives to it and there's negatives to it. The negatives yeah. are that, it demands a lot more of the artist in terms of skill set and time um, that has to go into things that maybe they are not that good at or not that drawn to doing. The positives are that you um, are not relying so much on someone else for building your um, following. Um, if that was originally sort of outsourced to people who were not that interested in doing a good job of it, then you have more power as the um as the artist to just sort of directly connect with your following and your fans. Um, mm. So, yeah, I think it's, I'd like to just try and focus on the positive aspects of it rather than yeah. dwell on the negatives sure. as, as you know, in reference to the things that we were talking about before about yeah. getting into a negative headspace and all that stuff. Of course. Yeah. Uh, you mentioned earlier, uh, bassist Hugh Williams and, uh, your, your, um, drummer, uh, Jay Davis. They are two of the, uh, artists sort of, uh, recruited for, uh, Chrysalis. We have Rupert Cox on piano as well. And Alec Harper on sax. Um, obviously your relationship with, uh, Jay and Hugh, if I may, uh, goes back to Slowburn. It goes back to Road Fork. Um, what is the connection? How would you describe the connection with, say, uh, those two artists in particular? All right. Well, with Jay, we go way back because we both studied at Leeds College of Music. Right. So we probably, I think we met in like 2009. Wow. And um, yeah, and we didn't actually play all that much when we were at Leeds um, together. We just didn't happen to cross paths too much musically. It's quite a big um, uh, institution with lots of musicians that, you don't always play with everyone all that much, mm -hmm. but we both happened to go down to London and do a master's at Royal Academy of Music straight after, um, which is where we started to play a lot more and um, develop a bit more of a musical relationship. And um, I guess the playing with Hugh started to happen around then because around that time, Hugh was also kind of on the London scene and I just enjoyed his playing. I thought he was involved in some cool projects. I liked how he approached improvising. It felt very like an exciting energy that he brought to it. And he was already playing with Jay quite a lot. And I just thought I'd ask um, both of them to get together and um, play some music that I'd written. So this would have probably been around um, 20... 2016 maybe or 2017 right. perhaps um yeah 2017 i can't really remember to be honest it's some sometime yeah. around then and um yeah we did we just i booked a gig in walthamstow which was the um area that i was living in at the time and um got a load of tunes together and just um yeah the band was sort of formed formed out of that and we recorded that the, the EP Road Fork and Slow Burn were actually recorded in the same session. Oh, wow. Just that we, we hadn't enough to um, release sort of an EP and a um, and an album. And so I just sort of like mm. separated them out that way. Right. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. 
Um, and then uh, we uh, we have uh, obviously pianist and uh, pianist Rupert Cox and Alec Harper, who kind of got inducted into the uh, the, the Chrysalis Crew. Yeah. Uh, what led you to each of those artists, if I may? Yeah, well, Rupert um, is someone who I met when we were um, when when I was at Academy doing the Masters, Royal Academy of Music doing the Masters, and um, yeah, I just you know always thought he's an amazing musician and um i was just thinking because after slow burn i was i did have the feeling that i wanted to um write music that had more layers to it so i wanted a harmony element i wanted a horn element to it another harmony element because obviously guitar is a harmony instrument but i wanted piano basically and i just kind of thought rupert would be the right have the right sound for this music that I've been writing. And I'm, I'm glad that I asked him because I, I really love what he did on the album. I think, um, he, you know, his, his musical personality really shines through in a lot of it. Mm. And, um, yeah, so I, I asked him, um, for that reason, I'd kind of admired what he was doing musically for quite a while. And, um, with Alec Harper, I think we had a few plays, um, kind of when I was at Academy, I think in 20, between 2012 and 2014. So we had a few plays then maybe did like some functiony type gigs. And then he went to New York to study um, a master's at New England Conservatory, I think. I might be wrong about that. I think it's that. And um, then he came back and I was, you know, thinking of a sax player to get involved in this. And I thought his, um, I thought he had like kind of the right versatility and sound to really do, you know, do the music justice. I think he was yeah. kind of a, a good choice for um, how diverse the music I think was, the, how the music is. And mm. um, so, yeah. yeah, that was kind of the reasoning for, for inviting those guys. I just thought that there would be a good, good choices for the music. And, you know, we had a bit of a relationship playing before, but not so much. It was more, it was more that the, the album was the, the main start of the playing relationship. Right. It's a wonderful kind of ensemble of, uh, of artists. They do wonders to, um, to, you know, to your, your writing and everything that you put into Chrysalis, I think in those yeah kind of quarantine closed door period i think to to be in a situation where you you know i guess we don't know what's going to happen when we were in that time and then to be in a situation where you're in a studio with nostalgia 77 of all people which is very cool um you're kind of in there with these amazing artists and you've you've put together this this stunning piece of work i can't think of how satisfying that must have been uh when you kind of sit back and think wow gosh absolutely nailed it it was wonderful <laughs> yeah so ben ben lambden off of nostalgia mm. 77 he's he's the um he was the uh, um, studio engineer. Yeah. Also mixed all of the album as well. Yeah. So yeah, it was good to have him on board and have his ears and his um, expertise sort of guiding us through the process. He's a great Amazing. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, uh, my, my penultimate question, if I may, I, I just want to, I really want to touch on the work of uh, the amazing uh, Big Bad Wolf, uh, yeah. if I may. I mean wow like it's amazing right? it's such a wonderful project i mean it's been a couple years um since i think the last single was uh released i think it was yeah. english man um 
how 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 do you how do you look at like a uh, big bad wolf i mean it's it's such a eclectic and diverse kind of project i mean do you how much of of its sound is planned before you know mm-hmm. is it a case of we want to do something that is just completely reinvents everything that we we might be associated with or is it a case of you get together and then the sound just happens organically right oh um yeah well big bad wolf is a it's a um it's a project that we started back in uh, 2015 i think and the way we started writing music uh, for that band because that band is not really i wouldn't describe it as jazz i think it exists it can exist in the jazz world because it's very jazz influenced i mean we're all kind of we've all studied jazz and we're all kind of students of the jazz tradition to um, varying extents but um the way we, we make the music is um well, when we perform the music, there's very little improvisation um, in short. But when oh, wow. we started making the music, we would get together and um, kind of do these improvisations, but these kind of um, long improvisations that we'd record on like our phones. And then um, we'd listen back to that. And then we just sort of listen, listening to it together, just pick out bits that we thought were sort of sections that happened in the music that we thought were quite cool and um then we would relearn those little sections and maybe jam around them for a little bit until we sort of settled on a groove or a melody or some sort of progression that felt um like a good ingredient for a for a song and the early versions of that were um kind of a bit rough around the edges i'd say compositionally they were just sort of like sticking one bit next to another bit and just sort of hoping for the best but as we kind of evolved that process of making music together um you know we we eventually got that album pond life yeah um, yeah and all of that music was written together with a few exceptions of you know instances where someone might have gone away and written some lyrics or um have come up with this one specific riff but aside from that it's just many many hours of us getting together and you know working on crafting this music and being quite specific about what we wanted it to be so i I wouldn't say it's like we just get together and it just sort of happens but there's a lot of like preparation that we put into to crafting all that music amazing it's such a it's a really really exciting project so hopefully there'll be more uh, yeah i think there there is going to be more we've been like kind of um, discussing uh, some future plans um so yeah stay tuned anyone who's wonderful that's amazing news uh my final point uh you've been so generous with your time so i won't hold you much longer but i just wanted to there's a a wonderful line on your Bandcamp page for chrysalis where um, I think I opened my review with it where you've written, I hope for them to inspire feelings of wonder, uh, excitement and hopefulness for the listener as the music that I cherish has done for me over the years. It's such a beautiful uh, kind of overarching sentiment for, uh, I think the sincerity that you put into your music and um, the connection that you're trying to make uh, with uh, prospective listeners in the way that you've connected with music, you're trying to ex- you know, express that to people. I think it's so beautiful um, as a, just as a sentiment for the kind of music that you make um is there any kind of um i guess final comment uh, on that or your approach to kind of the connection you're trying to build with with an audience um that's a good question i i I think 
Yeah, I stand by that that statement. I think that's just generally what I'm trying to achieve with my music now. I think I'm trying to move away from anything that is not that. So sometimes an example of something that might be not that would be the drive to sort of purely impress someone with what I'm doing. Right. I want my I want what I create to actually, especially with recorded music, to be um to be music that kind of people can live with and have be um for example with with me a lot of the music that i feel drawn to it's like i go to this music i, I put on this music i go for a walk and i listen to something because i'm searching for that feeling to accompany me on this walk you know or mm. i want this um I want to, I want this sort of environment right now. You know, I want this sort of, um, it's like, it's sort of serving a purpose rather than it being, um, a creation for the sake of creating. I want it to be, uh, I want to convey a feeling of a sort, you know, I mean, it might yeah. sound like it's stating the obvious a little bit, because obviously when you make music, you're trying to convey a feeling of a sort, but I think sometimes that can get lost in the, um, in the complexity of, um, just trying to come up with something new mm. if you're not in touch with the with the feeling of 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 the music then um that's something that i'm not as interested in anymore i'm 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 kind of i feel like i've come to value that thing of um well why would someone actually put this on why would someone give their time for this why would someone give their attention to this for an hour hmm. or whatever? I mean, I want there to be a good reason for that. Not so that I can get more plays or get sell more albums. It's just because that's actually what's going to be meaningful for other people. It's right. the reason that someone would put it on and give their attention to it is because it tells them a story because it takes them through an experience. And hmm. I just, I guess that, that sentence that I gave was just sort of, um, referring to my intention to be providing um, something of that sort, I think. Brilliant. Yeah. Mm. My intention, at least. My intention. Yeah. It, well, it's it's a yeah, it's a wonderful sentiment for. Uh, I, I think your your music is a wonderful advert for your music, um, and um, uh, yeah, and does justice to your to to the wonderful stuff that you're putting out there. So, uh, congratulations with the release of uh, Chrysalis. Congratulations with Slow Burn, Road Fork, uh, Big Bad Wolf, and all of your amazing successes. Um, I wish so you much. infinitely more. We've got the gems, but we're